get up, gotta get out, gotta get home before the morning comes. What if I'm late? Got a big day, gotta get home. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 545 with a review of Russian Doll. I'm Christopher Schnazy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going <laughs> to... Chris, have you seen my inhaler? <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, is it in... <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 545 with a review of Russian Doll. I'm Christopher Schnazy. I just had the weirdest dream. I, I'm Stephen Miller. Um, and if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review. Is that water? Is, is the roof leaking? Jesus fucking Christ. What the, again? what the? Oh, God. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Okay, something really podcast. weird is happening here. Uh, <laughs> Dude, let's just get through the intro. All right, let's... What? Do you... Do you smell gas? Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 545 with our review of Russian Doll. I'm Christopher Schnazy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. Um, this week, we already put out a, rele- uh, a review of Alita Battle Angel, a review of Happy Death Day to You, and then just because sometimes we like to throw in other unrelated slash technically thematically related We films, like to get a little kooky. <laughs> we are also bringing you this review of season one of the Netflix original series, uh, Russian Doll, which, much like Happy Death Day to you, involves a woman repeatedly dying and <laughs> repeating the same day over and over and over until she can try to figure out what the hell's going on. Um, so this episode will be different than most things that we do because, uh, obviously, this is a series. Uh, we did have the review of The Ballad of Buster Scruggs where we kind of, like, talked about it as a whole and then went episode by episode through that. But they were short stories and there was technically less to talk about not like one giant overarching theme that we have to kind of carry through all the episodes. We'll try to do something a little bit similar to that. Um, we'll kind of... Start with a general thought on the series as a whole, talk about our feelings of it, and then kind of come back and step through. We'll attempt to kind of go episode by episode because there's only eight episodes, but we'll also kind of just hit the major beats. Maybe we can combine some of the episodes where it's just the same sort of thing Mm -hmm. and kind of go through our thoughts in the moment um, with some of those things. Does that sound good? Yeah. Cool. Um, Well, uh, let's start by taking a listen to the trailer for Russian Doll. Um, and then come back and begin the review. Let's fuck this party in the mouth. Sweet birthday, baby! Not life short, carpe diem, etc., right? What I do in my time is my business, my choice, baby! Hey. Oh, 
sweet birthday, baby. What was I just doing? What? What do you mean? I'm out of here. <laughs> Fuck. Sweet birthday, baby. What is in this? Stay away from me. I'm coming down the stairs. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ, that's dark. Are you gonna tell me what's going on? I keep dying and reliving the same night. Does it hurt? <laughs> yes. You seem fine. <laughs> I'm not fine. I'm questioning my own sanity. We gotta take the fire escape. I Great. have a fire escape? I have to change my Airbnb oh, listing yeah. then. What was wrong with the stairs? It's a long story involving multiple deaths. Yeah, this is much safer. Huh. I never lasted this long. No saints are a menace. I'm having a very hard, never-ending night. Do we know each other? Fuck off! Will you stop acting crazy? What are you doing? Should I call my guy at Bellevue? Is it the nicest psych ward? It's definitely the closest one. Hey, let me ask you! I look at you now, chasing down death at every corner, fighting your way to the light. Do you still have that in you? I am not crazy! You really hate it! Some people call me crazy! Didn't you get the news? We're about to die. It doesn't matter, I die all the time. All right, so that was the trailer for Russian Doll. It is about a woman um, on her 36th birthday and uh, leaving the party, she dies and wakes up in the bathroom at that party, which is the same way we enter the story. And uh, she keeps trying to not die, (laughs) but fails to not die, dies and wakes up in the bathroom again. And this is sort of the story of her trying to figure out what's happening to her, whether anything is actually happening to her, because it could just be this uh, Israeli... Could be the peyote. ...something um, that she was smoking. Yeah, the Israeli Coke. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> smoking Coke? It was Israeli... It was like something laced with Israeli LSD. I don't know. I maybe, maybe they just called it an Israeli joint, but it had peyote in it. But I feel like they even thought it was harder than that. Yeah. Clearly, we do drugs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> All the time. I, I, I mean, I'm really good at drugs. I'm it, like... I'm just zooted out of my mind right now. Yeah. It's going to be real. <laughs> um, but yeah, so th- yeah, so this is the story of this woman who's trying to figure out what the hell's going on and uh, tried to break her way out of this loop or just try not to die mm-hmm. <laughs> considering the loop is caused by her dying. Um, Stephen Miller, general thoughts. Wh- how, what did you think of Russian Doll? Yeah, so my, my relationship with this... Uh, TV series was interesting. I guess I should say season because I know they're going to come back for a second one now, but I think it's a very complete story as is now. We can yeah. treat it as one thing. Um, I had heard a lot of positive stuff about this. I knew it was a thing I had to check out. And in the first couple episodes, I was kind of like tepid, like the way I felt about it. I I liked things about it. I thought it seemed a little bit clever. Like I enjoyed that Natasha Leone's character wasn't your typical TV show protagonist, like, she clearly was doing her own shtick. She, she had some edge to her. The world that she lived in was a little bit different. But 
I wasn't getting like a whole lot of freshness from it, at least not to the degree that everyone else was. Maybe it didn't help that I watched Happy Death Day for the first time, like <laughs> right like the day that I watched the first episode of Russian Doll. So I, I was kind of like, yeah, I've I've seen this before. I recently. literally just watched this. Um, but I think over time, the season gets a lot better. I think as the episodes accumulate and the the world starts to take form it definitely goes to way more daring and interesting places than other ones. And I wound up really liking like the last three episodes at least. Like I, it built to a crescendo where I was very, very happy that I watched it, but I still don't, I don't share in the like completely unconditional love for it that I feel like a lot of people have. I, I feel like this is a, a show that is like very good in certain ways and very rough around the edges. And it doesn't like, it, it didn't always have the driving force or the, the joy of thinking that there's a puzzle to be solved, it kind of felt more like it was making a statement and you weren't meant to even try to solve the puzzle in, in a way that, like, I, again, I liked more when it got more abstract as the episodes went on, but I didn't, I, it didn't totally latch on for a while. So I feel like for me, this was a grower of a show, not the kind of immediate praiseworthy thing. Like, if there hadn't been all the hype, I don't actually know after watching the pilot that I would have, like, stuck it through the whole season. I would have maybe been like, yeah, I get it. It seems fun you know, put it on like number 20 on my list of TV shows to catch up on. Um, but I'm glad I did because I think it does get more creative by the end. Yeah, I, I started watching it not because I was hearing so many great things about it, but because Netflix shoved it in front of my face and mm-hmm. I just finished watching something else. And I was like, why not? Eight episodes that are like half an hour each. I can totally do this. Um, and I jumped in and I think that I was kept along because the lead is so charismatic. Mm-hmm. Like, She's not necessarily somebody's support in all of her actions or motives, but she's incredibly watchable and just has like this uh, quality to her that makes you want to see how she's going to handle the next situation she's thrown into. And she has a lot of different situations because in the course of her trying to figure out what's going on, she bounces around to all sorts of wild ideas, tries to talk to all sorts of different types of characters, puts herself in very dangerous situations, not Mm -hmm. because she's willing to die, but because she just needs so desperately to figure out what's going on that she's willing to put herself in unsafe situations just to hopefully gain more knowledge. And I, I thought it was, I thought it was really funny and it, it, it was really fun to watch. I think that I soured a little bit on it, not necessarily through, well, I would say not through any fault of the show's own, if that's an English sentence. Sure. But I do think that the culture we live in, filmically and TV-ically. <laughs> television. Television. Yeah. Television. See, it's not Tele- so easy, is it? Televisionically. Yeah. Um, our, the way we watch things now, I think if this was a week-to-week show, I would have probably fallen off of the show and given up on it partway through. Um, not because it does anything specifically wrong, but because the payoff for certain things don't exist. Like, this film is written in a way that's supposed to seed little ideas of things for you that turn out to be nothing because they, we as a culture now watch TV trying to piece it together between mm-hmm. episodes and wanting to feel smart and do things. And the writers of the show tickle that with no payoff at all for things that they're specifically not wanting it to be. Like, this is a story about a woman stuck in a loop. And there's a scene... 
like we find out that she designs video games or programs yeah. video games and there's a scene where she sits down with somebody who says whoever designed this video game is an asshole they made it to be unwinnable and she's like no there's always a way and she sits down and she's trying to show this guy that she who is a person who made that specific video game knows how to pass this unpassable level mm-hmm. Clearly, that is seeding the idea that she is inside something she created for herself. And if she can only find the one unsolvable path, then she can get out of it, right? But, I mean, it's definitely metaphorically doing that. Like, it's, it's metaphorically that that doing that. In, but yeah, it isn't literally doing that. But she, this isn't like a Black Mirror no, creator inside of her own machine sort of thing. No, and, and that's the thing is I think the second half of this show, which is where I really got higher on it, is like more abstract and it is being like metaphorical about characters overcoming their circumstances and figuring out like what their demons are and how they can fix them you know yeah but but this this film also establishes certain things then it just casts out like so there's this one point in time and yes you could make the argument that part of the reason they'll introduce something and throw it out is because our hero is testing theories that she has and you could maybe argue that the theory doesn't hold water so it's okay that she casts it away but at one point in time she decides that like what if every single time i've repeated the loop that is a fully featured continual reality in which when i reset that world continued on and she decides that like oh if i know this is going to happen if i know a person is going to die or some bad thing is going to happen somewhere it is my obligation to stop that like from happening, them. yeah, to protect them, because even though I won't be in that that loop, they will, and cert- like at the top of this episode, we were joking about a gas leak. A gas leak is in this series, yeah. and it's important in the series, and then it's not, and nobody brings it up. But conceivably, for the last four episodes, that gas leak has been happening, mm. but she has just given up on trying to call somebody about that gas leak, right? Yeah, but but in those episodes also, the rules start to change in a way that makes it less and less clear that she should be maintaining that belief. But you know, th- like, things start to happen that become way more, like, surreal, right, about yeah, this new Yes, world. but so, so there's, there's, there's one character, I won't talk about the connection, but she has a conversation with the character who believes in maintaining, like, th- things throughout her loops, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he believes that, like, do things the same and and you basically you just don't let things go unchecked, essentially, right? And I think that this film introduces that as an idea that you should maintain consistency in each loop, but then at some point goes like, no, we're transitioning to this other thing, which while emotionally relevant and pays off beautifully in a way mm-hmm. that I really, really love, I, Christopher Schneezy cannot ignore all those things that you set up like i i i always come back to it but there's an episode of lost where the character of daniel faraday is talking to somebody and they say are you saying you want you want to set off a nuclear bomb and he goes no i'm saying i think i already have Mm -hmm. that is never brought up again for the final two or three seasons of the show and it was my favorite episode of the series and this guy brings up this crazy idea and then it's never referenced again Mm -hmm. and i think that like this film has some of those little moments where it's like you are writing this because you want watchers of the show to think about it. Like you're, it, it's not even that you're misdirecting. It's that you're planting seeds to excite people and then just saying like, no, no, I'm going to give you another seed. It's going to be twice as exciting. Just wait for it. And I just – there's part of me that just doesn't 
it, I find it not distasteful isn't the word, but I, I'm just sort of annoyed by the fact that we're in a culture where writers have to put in these things to keep us interested when mm. we could just go on the merits of the characters and how charismatic they are. See, it's funny because I feel like you and I have maybe like opposite viewing habits when it comes to these kind of things. Because for me, the beginning felt formulaic because of those little tidbits. And I was like, yeah, okay, now I'm going to learn all about the rules of how the world keeps resetting. Like, I don't, I don't need to see this. Like, I've seen yeah. things like this before. I was waiting for the thing that was going to make it stand alone. And I, I have a kind of contradictory feeling because on the one hand, like, I do think the show gets better over time. Like, I don't think the strength of the pilot would have made me commit to a whole season. But I think once I knew that I liked it, I wish it had been a week-to-week show instead. Yeah. Because I binged basically, like, all but the first three ep- I I did the first three episodes one night and then a week later, I did the, all the remaining episodes. Yeah. And so to me, this whole show has blurred into one thing. And I feel like if I had given myself those little cliffhangers and like had time to try to piece together and worry about it, maybe I would feel more emotional attachment to the material than what I got. And, and I think this film could be three one-hour episodes. Because mm-hmm. um, that it, it, it's sort of like the arc that you have, like... The second episode is really just... A continuation of the first one. It's a continuation of the first one where she begins to test the nature of her reality. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I, I think that, like, it doesn't add or progress the story forward. It's just introducing us to new characters who may have made the drugs that are making her (laughs) be on this trip, right? Um, And I think in the middle point, she meets somebody else who makes her think differently about her situation. And that's sort of like episode two could be that whole thing and everything that comes from that. And then episode three can just be them all deciding what they're – like basically the conflict that starts to happen towards the end where like things are breaking down around them and just sort of – you know, the it's basically the um, uh, Eternal Sunshine part of this this series, right? It's like those three distinct arcs. You could take the eight episodes that make up the series and kind of divide them – any way you want in those I, I three agree. sections. I agree. The first one would kind of become like the first episode of Last Man on Earth, right? Where like at the very end, it can be like, and now we're going to clue you into what the show is actually about. Yeah. Because I I believe, and and again, like I love, I, I think Natasha Leone is great as the lead here. I think her cast of friends and stuff are great, like as the kind of the edgy, seedy party scene of New York. Like I, I like all that stuff. It's cool. Like it, it has a kind of like, it isn't as satirical as Portlandia, but it like gave me that vibe a little bit of it's like kind of making fun of the debaucherous New York Hollywood type lifestyle. Um, I really think the show becomes something really good when the character of Alan is introduced. Oh yeah, I think for sure. he 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 as a foil to Nadia is what makes the show work. And if I could change the episodes, I would make it so by the end of episode one. I know that that is going to come yeah. because then for sure I would keep watching because that is the, you, you know, that that's like last man on earth. That, that's like the, <laughs> the, the appearance of a second character that breathes new life into this world and lets me know that like things are going to change in a more interesting way. Yeah. yeah so I like once Alan is there and again, I like, I don't even think his character is the best. I think he makes Nadia a better character. And I, I mean, I think there are some really interesting and semi profound notions that only exist because Alan exists, Mm -hmm. that this film does have some really, really interesting comments on the nature of relationships and things like that, that like I really loved, but I agree his character himself is sort of like 
not that exciting. Like what he does, what he represents is like he is now a person that Nadia can care about, and yeah. he he is the opposite of her being the quote most selfish person they've ever met. You know, yeah. he is now a person that can be guided and helped, and I think that is really kind of the the lifeline of the show is seeing Nadia start to care about other people. And I just feel like the first couple episodes, it kind of squanders away that because we're, we're still reveling in her being the kind of like very selfish character who is, you know, being funny. Like there's always funny jokes in this show. Um, but it takes a while to get to the heart of it. And I think like if it could shortcut that heart, I would have been more on board earlier. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think in general that regardless of how you feel about this film, you shouldn't accurately judge it until it's completed. Mm-hmm. Because the this is a film that or this film this this is a series that is sloppy in some aspects, but has a narrative payoff that makes the journey worth it. Mm-hmm. So, if you are in episode three and you're like, I really don't like the show, I can't guarantee you that you'll like it by the end of episode eight. But the end of episode eight is what the show is. Yeah. So you can't like. There is some dead weight between episode starting from episode two until we meet Alan, and then there's some interesting stuff, and then it, it goes to some bizarre places. And like I can see points of entry where people will just hop out, or points of exit, I guess, where people might jump off the series. But I think it's worth sticking through it if you've started it. So, so do we want to like go into spoilers and step through what happens in the show? Yeah, I think the step through process can be all spoilery. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess, yeah, yeah. So I, I think for now we can we can verticize yeah. <laughs> this uh, series. And then if people want to know our full thoughts, then we can kind of step through it a little bit. Um, but uh, yeah, Stephen Miller, if you were going to give this series must-see, reckon with a caveat, wait for until pass with a caveat or must avoid, what would you give it? I, I'm recommending it with a caveat as well. I think, again, it takes a little longer to rev its engines than I would have liked, but it definitely goes to places that I was very impressed by, especially by an eight-episode Netflix series. Um, I think it is well worth the time investment. And it's one of those shows that, honestly, if I had more time, I was planning on maybe re-watching the whole thing before we did this review. Yeah. Just because having seen the ending, I then wanted to go back to the beginning and like derive more out of each episode. I, so, I, con- I contemplated it. Yeah. But. Like, like I think it is the kind of show that is crafted meticulously enough that is going to have lots of payoffs for that. Because a lot of... The, the thing about the show is like, in the pilot, all the, all the characters are kind of sketched interestingly because they're weird and they have motives that we don't understand. And their relationship with Nadia is kind of vague and hazy. And all of them get an arc throughout the show that makes them make sense. And I think, like, if you could have that and then, like, back project that to the first episode, you would see, like, a more well-crafted thing than what you're aware of watching in real time. Yeah. And so I think there's a lot of payoff to rewatch. But the caveat is, like, I don't think this is the kind of thing that grabs you by its, quote, genius right away. Like, I think it is kind of messy and sloppy, and I think... I think episodes two and three mostly don't need to happen. Like, I, I think it takes way too long to get to the heart of the show. And yeah. it would be a better show if they managed to kind of fast forward to that bit. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's recommended the caveat for me um, as well. I think I think where this film or shit, <laughs> I think where this series goes to is uh, justification enough for the watch. Um, but yeah, I can see how people might get bored by certain parts. I was on board by episode one, though. Like, I just think watching 
watching the lead just do her thing. Like I would watch just a film where she's an asshole. Like So did you have a prior relationship with Natasha Leone? Like were you an Orange is the New Black fan? Or I have anything? I have not seen Orange is the New Black. I know I had never seen her before in my life. Because neither as, had as I. As I, I had, I'd heard her on Comedy Bang Bang. Okay. But I've never seen her as an actress before. Yeah, I, I never seen anything that she's done to my knowledge. Um so she was a completely fresh face. But like as soon as it started, I was like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally on board for whatever's going on. Um, and like, I even if nothing came about from the story, I wouldn't have hated that I watched it because I was so entertained by her dealing with the situations. Even in the first episode, where narratively nothing happens except for she falls through like four manhole covers and falls down the stairs like eight times. That's it. Like literally nothing in the story, nothing to advance the narrative at all happens in episode one. And I loved every second of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm the she narrative definitely guy. Made, like if nothing else, this is like a great vehicle for her. Like it, it is definitely a good showcase of that particular character. And I think it's a kind of character we don't see a lot. Like it is bucking a lot of trends to have a show about a female protagonist who is like, she's likable in like, a darkly witty sense, but she isn't like a moral compass or anything, right? Yeah. She has lots of flaws and she's very wry and a little bit selfish. And like, I, I love all a that. little bit selfish. Yeah. A lot of bit <laughs> selfish. Uh, I, I dug all that. Like, I, I think that's really, really cool. Yeah. Cool. Um, well, we'll close up the show and then get to spoilers. So Stephen Miller, people want to find you throughout the week. Where can they do that? People can go to twitter.com slash S Miller or S People can find me at ChristopherInRealLife.com or Twitter.com slash ChristopherIRL. You can find the podcast over at TheSpoilerWarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. Um, if you want to subscribe to the show, you can do so in Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. If you want to know the episodes go live, you can follow us at Twitter.com slash SpoilerWarning or like us at Facebook.com slash TheSpoilerWarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at TheSpoilerWarning.com or you can use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to Russian Doll. I love the loop resetting song. Um, it's so great. Um, so you're listening to that right now. That music is going to fade up. And when that music fades away, we will once again be in spoiler territory where we will talk about the events of Russian Doll. So be warned. All right, so we are back. Um, this is spoiler territory. It's the after part of our review for Russian Doll. We're going to be talking full blown spoilers for everything that happened in Russian Doll. We were going to step through episode by episode, but maybe, maybe it might be better to step through each of the characters and the arcs mm-hmm. that they go on and kind of just like hit their beats yeah. one by one. Um, yeah, I think that would be better. Do you want to start with the peripheral characters or to start with the two lead characters or. Um, I don't know. I, I, you you can lead this. I think you're a little bit more uh, cognizant of what happened to some of the peripheral characters. <laughs> well, I guess I guess we can break it into two categories: uh, the lead, and so Nadia and Alan, and then the man who is interrupting. Yeah. The Alan's relationship. Right. And Alan's girlfriend. Or, I should say, yeah, yeah, yeah Mike, so, the professor, right? Yeah, yeah, the professor. Um, and Alan's girlfriend or ex-girlfriend. Um, let, 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 let's start by talking about those two characters mm-hmm. specifically, because obviously Alan is reliving the breakup over and over and over. 
this guy is a huge fucking douchebag. Yeah. <laughs> like when we first <laughs> meet this professor guy, he is just saying all of the things that make you want to punch him in a yeah. stupid face. Like he's not even Especially like... Especially in the first episode. He's just, he's just like... He's basically well actually everybodying, right? Yeah, like, yeah. And he, he is just the worst kind of human that you've ever met. And he's not even like... He's not even one of those guys who's so hot that you're just like, all right, well, you can get away with whatever you want because who, who's going to fucking challenge you? He's kind of a naked you? man, right? He, he, yeah, <laughs> he is, exactly. He's just like, I'm going for it. People take yeah. me for what it is. He's got one weird, one weird trick and he's living it. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's like you just hate this guy. Obviously, now that you've met Alan, he's the nice, sad dude that like you're going to at least on some level identify with mm-hmm. more than this fucking asshole over here. But like, then they do weird things where it's like, He's so matter of fact of about the life that he's progressing in, and there's also characteristics about him that are actually like he's he's kind of a decent guy in some mm-hmm. stretches. Like he's like a father. Yeah. He's cares about his kid. He's trying not to be a monster. Like later on in the episodes, and it's kind of like the film is kind of showing that like when you meet somebody in one situation that is not who they are Mm -hmm. but that might be who they are in that moment or situationally that's how they are portrayed but like you don't get to the root of who that character is yeah and i I think that that is an arc a lot of these characters our view of them like because again they're not changing right like they're reliving things over and over they're not retaining any memory but what is changing is our perception of them through the leads and in this case the way Alan sees this guy at the beginning is he's the big bad who stole his girlfriend, right? Yeah, yeah. And what he's learning over time is the same line that is, like, terrible sounding at the beginning of, like, I'm not a choice, I'm the absence of a choice. Yeah. Becomes kind of just a little sad at the end. Like, it, it just becomes the guy's like, hey, I'm not I'm not doing anything, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just here, I'm picking up the pieces. Yeah, I'm sleeping around, but... Who are you to moralize, right? Like, like the show is not about moralizing that. Um, yeah, and and you don't really care for him by the end, but you definitely at least like you see anyone who would rail against him as being kind of like the pathetic guy who needs to get over it. And I <laughs> like, I like, I I truly think that is like an a journey that Alan goes on is like having to realize like this guy's fine. It's not this guy's fault. He's just the person who was there to pick up the pieces, you know? Yeah. But I mean, he is also a skeezy guy. Like, it's not like he's unskeezy, right? Sure. It's, it, it's just that he is There is a universe where he is played by Tim Heidecker, by the way. <laughs> I'm convinced. I'm not sure who that is. Okay. Tim and Eric, Tim. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Gotcha. Um, something I haven't watched. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, yeah. So I, I think there was, there's just some interesting narrative things there where it's like, you know exactly who this guy is and then you know a little bit less who he is. And then you're like, all right, well, I mean, he's doing bad stuff, but also there is some aspect to his character that is good. And it's sort of, it just, it's, it's a, it, go, it goes from being a pretty black and white thing at the beginning to being a thing that's a little bit more messy and that like, at least you can acknowledge something. And I, and I think, that kind of brings us back to the character of Alan, who, as as we said earlier, becomes like the sort of foil for Nadia, yeah. but and also kind of helps her realize what's going on. But I think more kind of interestingly is it kind of like he, so he is the character who, when he just when he realizes he's on a loop, does not run around and try to figure out why he's on the loop. He just repeats the loop every day. Yeah. Until he finds a reason not to. Like, he 
And it's not even like he's a crazy sci-fi fanatic guy who is like, oh, no, I need to maintain everything the same. Otherwise, bad things can happen. He's just like, well, time to go get up and relive this. And what's really, really, I I think what I thought was really the most interesting thing about his episodes was the way it handled relationships and breakups and those conversations that you have where you really wanted to say the one thing, but like you didn't want to say it because you would lose control of the situation Mm -hmm. and you might come off as pathetic or it might start a big argument that you weren't prepared for. And the idea of being in a loop where you can really say whatever you want and choose to say a thing differently and handle those situations and redo them to the point where you get the information that you couldn't just outright ask the first time. And whether it's out of exhaustion from having repeated it so much or intelligence from knowing how the person was going to react to certain key words and phrases, there was just something really interesting and compelling about like, there are multiple sides to everything. Mm -hmm. And when you see in the one situation, they are the monster who is hurting you. And then in another situation, they are the person who is unhappy and is trapped. There was just like a lot of interesting things that this that this series was saying about rethinking your life and moments you're in yeah. and your perception of how the world is hurting you versus the way you are playing into the world. And it just I, I thought that was really like some of the most compelling things this film had to say was Alan's character talking with all the people that he thinks are ruining his life. And realizing that he's ruining his own life and that he needs to gain control of his situations in a way that isn't all about getting revenge or telling somebody else they did something wrong, but just accepting the life that he's in. I I thought there was really something very, very interesting that the show was doing with that angle. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I think that stuff was really powerful. And I like, I I think the Alan character pulls it off because he's, I, I don't fully know how to define his character. He's very... He's meticulous. I, I don't know if that's a thing that he's developed over the first seven deaths or whatever that we haven't watched before we meet him. I um, think it's... But a, it seems like a character trait, right? It's like, an obsessive-compulsive Yeah, he's nature. a guy who's kind of OCD, yeah. um, who just wants to have maintain control and keep the status quo, and he thinks he has a handle on life. And when Beatrice turns out she's breaking up with him because she's seeing someone else... He freaks out. He does what we all probably have done in the past where we're like, oh, something, you know, a breakup happened. They're the enemy, right? Like, that's an impulse that everyone has probably experienced before. And getting to, like, iterate over and over, we get to watch the arc of him. First, he is the, you know, the lover who's yearning for the answers. And before he has met Nadia, he's the guy who's just trying to glean more and more and more. Like, what can I do? What can I understand? What happened? Obsessing over it. And what Nadia frees him to do is be like, hey, fuck you. You know, you do, you don't know how good you had it. Yeah. And like, that isn't the end of the story. Like, the end of the story is that extra layer of going back and being like, no, I didn't know what I was doing to you. I'm sorry. And we're okay. And like, that emotional journey is really gratifying. Like, I, I like that a lot. But I think it's gratifying also because it, if it were the foreground of the show, like if it were the main arc, it would feel kind of cheesy. But because it is like 
surrounded by Nadia also being like, all right, yeah, you got that out of your system. Live and let live. Come on, move on to the yeah. rest of your life. Let's go. Like, I think that combo, that like buddy cop combination is like really, really fun. I, the idea that there's the guy who's taking it very seriously and the person who's just kind of like, you know, snap, snap, snap. Yeah, get a move on in your life. You fucked up. Who cares? I, I do like that she shows up to one of his breakups. <laughs> <laughs> and she's just like hanging out and like the the girl and it still happens that's how inevitable the timelines are in this universe yeah, it's yeah. Like she can be there and it doesn't really change anything but it but it does put the girlfriend off kilter right like she's mm-hmm. trying to figure out what the hell is like who's this and what's going on like I, I just thought it was really funny that like when you are stuck in a loop there are almost no consequences that are permanent that you can think of at least in, in your head there's nothing that's permanent so you can just do whatever you want in a way that's like you know what i'm just gonna see what happens if i just disrupt the situation really really bad mm-hmm. um and it's just it's, it's a fun way to play with like you know it's gonna reset so you can do something weird this time around um which is cool and and i think what's so what's interesting about nadia's arc in this show is that like, like the show resists the urge to moralize, and Nadia's character talks about this very explicitly a few times, where Alan believes they're in purgatory, they're being punished for some kind of wrong that they've committed, and she has a bunch of statements to the effect of, like, what are the odds that the universe has your random morality at play, right? Like, yeah. oh, boo-hoo-hoo, yeah, I was a bad person. Can anybody here at the party tell me why I was a bad person? Um, and in, like, a lesser movie or something, that would be the payoff at the end would be you would learn why she was a bad person and now she's a good person and the end, you know, she's redeemed her character and she's righted all her wrongs. But the the show is more, like, blurry than that where she she is more openly loving to the people in her life. Like, she's learned to cherish them a little bit more. She's less personally self-destructive. Like, that is a journey that she goes on and she is much like the uh, tree in Happy Death Day, she is coming to terms with the loss of her mother in a way that she didn't do in the previous deaths, right? Like, yeah. it took some time for her to really do the, quote, therapy that it would take to, like, wrestle with how she feels about that and move on from it. But otherwise, there's not there's not a clean, like, ending point where she is now a completely different character. She's just, like tilted a little bit you know whereas alan is a completely different character because he was going to end his life and now he's turned it around so yeah i, I like I, I think the show again it's doing a thing where the writers live in a world where we have seen movies before so they have to take what we expect and anticipate that and then do something different from it yeah and what it leaves you with is this kind of interesting gray area where like characters are changing but they're not necessarily just becoming quote good people now it's more they're they're gaining perspective that they wouldn't have had if they hadn't gone through this. Yeah. And that's pretty much all the show's trying to do. Yeah, I, I think... it. If I can just go back real fast, like, unrelated to that, but, like, examples of where the show is writing a thing for viewers to see and, like, misdirect people in a way that doesn't make sense for the context of the show is going back to Alan. Like, when she realizes Alan is going to kill himself... And she runs up to the rooftop, like runs to his apartment to find him, runs up to the roof, and then looks off the edge and cries. The visual language of that scene implies that his body is laying on the ground that she has just looked off the Mm -hmm. edge to see, right? But then Alan comes walking up from the side and it's like, oh, you're here to stop it. Like, 
those sort of moments show the strings of the writers trying to write a thing that makes you think one thing when something else is happening. Right. And it's like so much of the show is really, really smart or really, really fun and clever, but it's still writing the things like the video game thing, like the did he actually kill himself moment and like little things like that where it's like it's trying to create scenarios to make you think of something, but it doesn't care about that. It's just doing the writer thing of writing a thing that makes you think like, sure. This is New York. Like, you leave a couch on the sidewalk, someone's going to take it. A body, <laughs> maybe it's not there anymore. Maybe Alan fell, jumped off and landed on the couch and yeah. then survived the fall. <laughs> but no, no, definitely. It, it, the, the show at the beginning makes it seem like it's going to be a clever sci-fi with very meticulous rules of how the universe operates. And it isn't that, right? It, yeah. it is an infuriating game that you can't win. And like... As the levels progress, the game changes to be harder and harder and harder, and it is only to put people through that arc. And I I do think, like, the way the show has been talked about and advertised would make one believe it is going to be, like, an incredibly clever, internally consistent universe, and that's just not what yeah. it's doing. Um, so let's talk about the the really big, I think, moment that this film does that were all the pieces are starting to come together. Well, okay, before even before even that subject, at some point in this film, we get what is apparent... Or fuck, I keep calling it a film. I'm, I'm, I'm going to let it be a film, that's fine. Yeah. At some point in the series, we we keep... We, we arrive at what we can call like a countdown clock, essentially. The world is now changing every mm-hmm. time she leaps through it. Um, people are literally disappearing. This is yeah. where it becomes like eternal sunshine in the spotless mind where like things are literally being deleted yeah. from the environment all the way to the point where she wakes up in the party and it's just her friend in the party and that all. What did you think about this this moment in time within so the series? I-, I thought these were, even though literally the meaning of it, I don't know, right? Again, <laughs> at this point it isn't literal like Who eternal knows? sunshine. It- it's about the mind and about what they're working through. To me, that was my favorite turn in the series is when it became about this emotional thing where yeah all the other things fade away and it's her it's current nadia it's young nadia it's chloe savine the mom um and her wrestling with her guilt over her mother's death and her anger over the way her mother behaved to her and her realizing like i need to come to terms with this and i thought that was great i thought it became way more surreal and like chilly in a way that was interesting and very much unlike a normal tv show like this was really for me where it became a movie and not a tv show yeah because it was doing things that would only make sense with the payoff later um yeah i i liked it i those episodes were where i like turned my head and was like oh shit i'm gonna pay real good attention now. yeah yeah that, that that's where everything started to get like more messy but more heightened and more excited in a way where it's like okay now we're getting somewhere that like you already hooked me with the introducing the other character who's also going to... That was a great moment, too, just in the elevator, which is like, haven't you heard, man? We're about to die. And he's like, oh, it's, it's cool. I yeah. die all the time. And it's just like, what? Oh, shit. <laughs> I, I do like... Two- Unfortunately, that was ruined by the Netflix trailer. Also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, but I do think it's really interesting that, like, until then, they're just... They're both sort of walking aimlessly through the world. But the idea that even a sign or a glimpse of somebody else who's in the same pattern gives both of them the clue they need to connect to each other because like it's someone else is going through this. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And it would be really, really crazy if like they weren't even related to that situation at all. Yeah. <laughs> it was just like some some crazy guy says, no, nah, I die all the time. And it was the homeless guy from the park. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, just, I just thought that once things start to get really, really weird, we spend a lot of time in the flashbacks and you see her mother and the craziness that she's sort of experienced growing up. Um it did kind of start to add weight to what's going on and it stopped being this fun, happy, let's see this girl like flip people off and have fun and be like, hey, it's New York. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think that's also where Natasha Leone really shines because she can turn from the uh, I'm the calloused character who is being like darkly funny in the face of everything yeah. into tearful, right? And like I am harmed and i've like suffered some kind of trauma and my life is like calloused in response to that trauma like i yeah i i think the show does a really good job of that and like even though like i said she doesn't end the show as a like insanely better person than she was when she began she is a way more whole person than she was when she began and like those episodes in between are the ones that kind of show like the damage that she's dealing with and the things that she's trying to shut out so yeah i thought those were emotionally very like they they hit the point really well. Yeah, and, and and those those that sort of portion of the story introduces that ticking time bomb, so to speak. And on top of that, the way that ticking time bomb is reinforced is that like so we we learn that both characters die at the exact same moment in this loop, no matter what's happening. They all have like whether she falls in a sewer well or he gets hit by a car or she gets hit by a car, they're always dying at the same time. And then all of a sudden, at one point. They both just have like an aneurysm at the same time mm-hmm. and they die of like quote unquote natural causes or supernatural causes um, where it's like they're completely interlocked, not just like causally in the universe, but like something about this loop is also killing them Yeah, <laughs> to where like they can fight it out and try to last as, as long as they want. But there's definitely a time limit on how many times they're going to be able to do this loop. Yep. And it sort of just reinforces that that uh, that counting down, ticking time bomb thing, which leads us to, like, the, like the last or second to last really, really great reveal, which is that they know why they're looping because that they could have helped each other out. And if either of them would have helped the other out, or if she would basically, if she would have stopped to help him, she would not have died in the first place, mm-hmm. and it would have saved his life. So it's like these two lives who are intercrossed in this one moment in time were were responsible could be have been responsible for pretending preventing each other's death so they know what's going on they know what they have to do but then aha we've woken up in the new loop but we're not in the same loop anymore we're in separate versions of each other's loop where the other person who is the real them in that universe does not know about anything that's happened until now and they just have to do the work to make them not do the thing they're going to do on their own. Like, I just thought that was really, that was a really, really inventive turn mm-hmm. for this film, that this sh- series to take. And I, I I just, that was when I was like, all right, all right, you guys pretty no, good. No, yeah, no, it, it, was a, it was a clever ending, and I think visually too. So I, I should mention Tasha Leon directed that last episode. I right. think it's the only one in the show that she directed. Um, the way the show ends where it becomes like the split screen of both of them yeah. and then they merge together by the end where they both are reaching the same conclusion, I thought that was great. That was, yeah, that yeah. was like an incredibly memorable way to end the series. That was one of those things where when I watched that, I was like, I want to watch the whole show again now <laughs> <laughs> because you nailed that ending. Yeah, um, yeah. 
Yeah, I, I I thought it was super clever. And and again, the the morality of it, it I don't know, like does should Alan really feel like he was morally obligated when he was pissed drunk to have noticed that a woman was sleeping with a guy and followed her? Like not really, right? Like it was only the other way around. Yeah, yeah. it was it was her yeah. choosing to take care of a guy who's clearly down on his down on his luck and wasted mm-hmm. um prevents her from her own selfish death. Yeah. Yeah. But it's cool. Yeah, no, it, <laughs> yeah, it, it's cool. I also I, I do think the side characters are they're interesting and off in a way, right? Like there are certain friends like Maxine, the friend that is always there, even in the second to last episode when like the room is empty except for her. Yeah. Who she behaves kind of similarly every time, but because the context changes, the way we interpret her is different as we watch the show. Yeah. Like, their relationship seems to, like, ebb and flow. Um, there are other people, like her her former lover, uh, who she basically broke up his marriage, and she is, like, debating seeing his daughter or not, who their relationship at the start of the show was very confusing to me. Because it was like, is this a big type situation where he's like the aloof guy who is like kind of into her but doesn't know how to express it? How how warm are they? How do they feel? And I, and I think like just watching them relive their relationship over and yeah. over again, it becomes a very fleshed out, believable character by the end. And I think that is a clever thing the show does is it like yeah. with all of the side characters, it paints them with a true like, – like we see a true vision of them at the beginning but only one face – and then watching it from multiple dimensions, they become fleshed out characters, even though they don't change. Yeah. Like, as an exercise in writing, I think it's really cool. And the book really means nothing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, the writers want us to believe that the book is like a metaphor for her and herself, and the daughter of this guy is also a version of her. And she- uh, Yeah, so I, I think in that moment, she th- is kind of subscribing to Alan's we're in purgatory and you need to do the moral thing okay. belief. And so she's thinking, what is the moral thing I haven't been doing? Oh, I need to give this book. But, but it's basically, yeah, yeah, I have it, to connect with the daughter. With like, it's throwing like 20 different ideas against the wall. Yeah. And not one of them is supposed to be the governing principle. It's more like these are all clues to the emotional thing that is going to be resolved in the end. I guess the idea is the book is a girl on her own, and she was on her own when she read it, and it gave her comfort. Yeah. So the book is not supposed to be a metaphor for her experience. It's supposed to be a thing that her and the daughter of the guy can bond over. Yeah, they have in common. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, uh, any last thoughts, Stephen? Um, good theme song. Yep. Agree. <laughs> I'm out. Okay, cool. Well, uh, thank you guys for listening to our review of Russian Doll. We will be back next week with a review of How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World, and also By Bust, another Netflix show. Or I don't know if it's actually from Netflix, but it's on Netflix, Mm -hmm. and we will watch it there. Yep. So, bye. Bye.